Hey guys, welcome back to Couple Goals with us and Hello. Hi. How are you? I am okay. How are you? Doing all right. What's what's new? I can tell you what's new. It's always so weird doing like the banter thing because we live together, you know? Yeah. It just throws off the... Like, you know, I think other people, they, they might have something new to address, <laughs> but we really don't. Well, I can tell the listener what's new. That's hey, right. listener. I have a sore throat. That's not new to the listener. I think they're they're like, this is week nine of Maggie being sick. Dude, I still have a sore throat and it's on my left side and it's my left tonsil and I can grab it, which is how I know I should probably go to a doctor. Anytime someone says they have a sore throat. I always want to ask if they have full-blown AIDS as well. Just because of that Eminem lyric. It just it stays in my head forever. Because he says he has full-blown AIDS and a sore throat. As if the sore throat is the exclamation point on that sentence. <laughs> sore throats are terrible. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I mean, anyway. I do have something new, though. Yes. I have a new story. Let's hear it. Me. I never have a new story. Because I keep my head in the sand. <laughs> yeah, but I don't tell you about the new stories I, I have sometimes. Well, I keep my head in the sand most of the time. But because I was on Facebook and this showed up in my feed. So now yeah. we all have to deal with it. This is from. What's today's date? Today's the 24th. This is from yesterday. At 3.34 p.m. So this is real new. A 20-year-old man has been charged after being accused of assaulting a 17-year-old boy hmm. that he caught sexually assaulting a 5-year-old boy. Wait, the 20-year-old is charged because he, he interceded? He assaulted a 17-year-old that he caught sexually assaulting a five-year-old. So he walks in, he finds the 17-year-old raping a five-year-old. God damn. And he assaults right, the 17-year-old. Right, right, right to the baby rapes. So he he finds this dude raping a little boy, and he assaults the dude for raping a boy, and then he gets charged. Like, he's the problem. Yeah, he, yeah that, you gotta watch that This is in Eastlake, Ohio, just so we understand. This wow. is local. This, yeah, he, he's the one to watch out for. Get him behind bars. Richard Adams of Paynesville has been charged with felonious assault. In a, in, That'll get dropped. It's got to get dropped. In though, an right? incident that happened at 815 on Thursday at East 363rd Street near Vine Street, according to court records. The 17-year-old has been charged with rape, the report says. Adams walked in on the boy sexually assaulting the child and started fighting with him, the report says. Police did not say if either of them were injured or provide any information on the child's condition. So it doesn't even say that he came at him with like a lead pipe or something, just that he started hitting right. him. That he was like, hey, stop raping this child. Please stop saying that. <laughs> please, please stop saying rape and child. In the, it's but he upsetting. did. I understand. I understand. But and he was. My point is, this 20 year old, in my opinion, is a, is a hero. hero. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he has been charged by police. Was he arrested? Do you know? I, I just read you the entire story. Okay, I, I don't remember that part. Did he get arrested, too? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, OK, good. At least you would think they would at least let him stay at home. 
on the honor system. Has been charged after being accused. No, he's just been charged. Okay. With felonious assault. Yeah, that, that'll get that'll get dropped by any reasonable judge or jury, I'm sure. It's just like, come on, bro. Right. Because if what a cop did it, it would be okay. Well, a cop would have just shot the guy. Most likely, yeah. And right. it would have been like, it's fine. Been like like that old joke that that. Or the cop would have shot. Pop pop. The cop freeze. Would, the cop would have shot the five year old and been like, you shouldn't have been getting raped. Like that's what if <laughs> that's how a cop would have reacted. But whatever. So yeah, I had that was my new story because. Well, didn't like the way that five year old was dressed. Yeah, he was like, you were asking your for now. it. Shouldn't have been wearing jeans and a t shirt because you're five. So yeah, that's how. Fuck. It's those Velcro shoes, man. That's what happens when I do a news story. You like it? <laughs> you just gotta now go right see, to the kitty rape. Now do you see why I don't do, usually do news stories? Yours are I, always like, and they put his penis in a blender. <laughs> and mine, mine are like, and they raped the child. They raped the little boy. Yeah, the, the penis stuff I can handle, even though I have a penis. I but do the, not. The, the kitty rape, ah, it's just a fucking nightmare. It is a nightmare. I'm but sorry, it showed dude, up in my feed. They should, on Facebook. Somebody. They should just like uh, they should be glad he didn't fucking murder him. That's know? we'll see how my see how my outrage like that's why I wanted to read it. It wasn't about the actual yeah, no. child. Right. The story here is about the fact that the twenty year old who was like, Hey, this isn't okay. Right. I'm gonna punch you in the face right. for doing that to the child. Yeah. And the cops were like, you shouldn't do, you shouldn't punch that guy in the face. It's fine that he was doing that. We'll handle this. Let us do our job. That's how cops right. are. Who do you They're think like, you are? Like, you don't get to determine what's right or wrong. Right. Oh, yes, I do. Right. Watch me. Citizen's arrest. This guy. <laughs> Citizen's arrest. Citizen's arrest. This guy did bad things to yes. a five-year-old. Yes. Puts the. Penis blunder in the kid. <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know, but bad. Don't put your penis in your dick. So <laughs> don't put your penis in your dick. Anyway, you wanted to go. Oh, we have housekeeping. All right. Housekeeping. House? That's your segment. All right. Uh, you can follow us on all kinds of different social platforms, including YouTube. Oh yes, that's We're a thing YouTubes. now. We is on the YouTubes. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter is not active. I don't really recommend following that. Don't follow that. us on Twitter. It's an auto feed from our Yeah, there's you're website. not going to really learn anything there. But uh, our Instagram is kind of fun. And, of course, we have a Patreon if you want to support the show. This is where Maggie usually steps in and offers her strong-arm mafia tactics and tells <laughs> people, <laughs> over kind now. of threatens people if they don't go to Patreon. Which hasn't I'm worked, a little so I'm easy, not going to do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. If you want to go to Patreon and contribute, Turns that's out awesome. that tactic does not work. Does not work. People do not like that. No. Uh, but, and if, if you don't want to support the show, that, that's that's fine, too. And by that's fine, it means that's fine. We <laughs> the, see you. That's the lady. I'm. It's fine. No, it's fine. It's I, fine, We know who you are. We've also made note of who you are. <laughs> yeah, we're keeping a list. And as live so shows eventually start up, uh, we'll be making note of who you are. So it's fine. <laughs> it's, there's a threat. And there's your, your weekly threat from Maggie for not contributing to Patreon. Thank you, Maggie. <laughs> Stay consistent. Well. <laughs> with the Patreon threats. Couple goals. I would just say it's appreciated. And if not, we're, we're just thankful you're listening to the show. Hopefully you're Unless you're something. like broke. In that case, I get it. But if you're right. not broke and you're just an asshole, like I'm on to you. Yeah, it's fine. Unless you're broke. Like if you're broke, dude, don't, I don't want like, your money. 
I, I, would, I don't know. Or if you're spending your like, what what would be a bad thing to spend a dollar a month on? Cigarettes. Well, those it, aren't a dollar. You might get a Lucy. You get a Lucy for a buck. <laughs> you maybe get a Lucy. I but, may have watched some old episodes of Chappelle Show to learn what Lucy <laughs> right. is. Get, you, get yourself a Lucy. Uh, yeah, if you have, you can buy a Lucy for a buck. Kind of like when 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 Bubba when I we used to ride together listen. to work. <laughs> One of my one of my friends, not a friend of the show, not just a, a friend, friend of the show, but he we not we, we would carpool to work, you know, take turns driving, and he picked me up one day, and he had a, and it was a long time ago, you know, so he had a CD in, it was the CD days. Uh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, back when you guys worked together, for example. Right, it was like <laughs> almost twenty years ago, and he had a CD in of a band called Down, which is one of a. a one of the bands I really like, it, it features the lead singer of Pantera and some guys from Corrosion of Conformity. He had a CD in, but he had burned that CD. I, I've never been a big proponent of of downloading free music and stuff. Even back in its heyday, the only time I would do it, and I was poor. I was very right. poor. But an album was but like 12, 10 to 12 support, bucks. Support artists. artists. Right. Right. So, no, I'm with you. So I, I would make the exception but for yet. songs that I couldn't find on CD. Or shit music. <laughs> or, or yeah, if it's just, you know, if it's pop music, you want to, you know, and it's it's uh, what do they call that? A guilty pleasure type thing. You don't want to support that artist. That's understandable. But yeah. You know, if it's just some, you know, if, if you were a Britney Spears or an NSYNC fan, yeah, download the shit out of their stuff. They were, were multimillionaires. They were doing fine. Uh, if it's moves like Jagger. But Bubba had this down CD in and, and someone had burned him a copy of it. And I also he had just obtained the latest Limp Biscuit CD. However, he had purchased this Limp Biscuit CD. Right. And this story is not going to end well <laughs> for Bob. <laughs> I don't even know the story and I know it's not going to end well for Bob. So he purchased he spent money on Limp Biscuit and then stole from down. And so I asked if I could see the CD. So he gave me the CD and I broke it in half and threw it out the window. And I was like, you don't steal from down. If you're going to steal, you steal from Limp Biscuit. You don't steal from a smaller band. Like so down. let me ask you a question. Yes. You pronounce it limp biscuit? Limp biscuit. Yeah. So it's limp biscuit is where the emphasis goes. I, I guess I've never given it any thought. Well, how that's how it? you've been pronouncing it. Okay. I say limp biscuit. Is that different than how I say it? Well, you're saying limp biscuit. The emphasis for when you say it is on the limp. When I'm saying it, it's on the biscuit. How does Fred, doesn't Fred Durst shout it out? How does he say it in the song? Limp biscuit. Oh, I don't funny? know anything about Fred Durst. Yeah. I don't fucking know. But I just have always said it limp biscuit because no, I, I have no I don't know. I we've talked too much about limp biscuit. <laughs> There's two, this is upsetting. two words that just don't go together anyway. That's a really stupid like band Fred name. Durst. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah. And, you know, lesson learned there, though. Like, oh, yeah. Well, anyway, I would only download music from like, as like I said, artists uh, where I you just couldn't find the CD. Sometimes it'd be a song like on a soundtrack or something. Support makers is the point. Support creators, yeah. And creators, makers, they're the same thing. Artists. And artists. The, only, the other time too is if uh, an album would leak like a few weeks early, I would absolutely download it, but then I would buy it but when it was probably, available. Right, that's So different. they would get their money. Yeah, that was and I have been known to buy things on multiple formats, so have you. Yes. And, yeah. but for me, it's more like book-based. Like yeah. I own, I own, movies, I own games. audio and paper versions of books. Yeah. Like I, or, um, 
Kindle, like E and paper versions or E and audio. I snapped one of your CDs in half, but it was for different reasons. So that was your, you had an insane clown posse CD in your collection. And that was early, very early in our relationship. And why well, got to help me to these people? <laughs> you had an insane clown posse CD. We don't even talk about this. And I, I found that and broke it. And I think, I don't remember how that, I think I just asked you about it and broke it and was just like this. You can't like, I draw the line here. You had all this country music and all this other garbage. You own like three good CDs at the time, but I didn't break any of your other CDs. It was just the, it was the funny ICP because CD. like the CDs that I own that you liked, you also owned. Yeah. So we're like, we had duplicates right. of some CDs. Yeah. <laughs> and then I owned like all this Faith Hill and Tim McGraw. Yes, I do remember a lot I owned of that. a lot of that. A lot of country. And it, that's because it was like it was pop 90s, country. You had a lot 90s, of, you had a 90s, 90s pop country was in general. Different. You had like Spice Girls and Britney Spears and, mm -hmm. and that yeah. kind of, I didn't break any of that stuff. That's but because I grew up in the 90s and that was 90s pop. ICP though, that's right out. It's it's no So good. you're saying you don't want to go chicken hunting? Because we's going chicken hunting. Ugh. Who's going chicken hunting? Man, that, that's that's how I discovered ICP is I was at a record store. Ah, we's going chicken hunting? Yeah, listen. We, I was at a record store, and they had a plastic bucket that was green and purple, but made to look like a KFC bucket, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. they had little casingles. Do you remember casingles? <laughs> <laughs> had little casingles of this band called Insane Clown Posse, and the song was called Chicken Hunting. And on the other side was like a dance feeling, mix or a I'm feeling so vocal right free mix or whatever. So I took it. Of course, it was free. I'd, I'd never heard of them before. Singles. And I played it and it was terrible immediately. So but I, there was a kid I worked with at the time who liked really terrible music. So I gave it to him. You were like, hey, I was like, hey, Tim, you might like this. You like really shitty rap music. And he was like, OK. And he was, liked it a lot. Was Tim the one who had brain damage? A little it little bit yeah but no he wasn't he wasn't like mentally handicapped he just no, couldn't he talk had, right but he had brain i thought i thought he had brain damage from like a car accident yeah he couldn't he couldn't speak right yeah he wasn't like stupid he just I'm had just a saying, speech impediment from his accident i'm just saying when when someone has brain damage you shouldn't say they have bad taste in music because maybe it was a reaction from their car accident you think it would carry over that far i thought it was just a speech impediment you told me he had brain damage from a car accident. That's yeah. how you explained speech it to me. It gave him a speech impediment. That was the the, the part of his brain that was damaged affected his speech. Oh, didn't okay. I don't think it affected his his music taste. I mean, it might have. He liked all kinds of rap music, but he also liked really terrible rap music, and he loved it. So I inadvertently created an ICP fan. So to set the balance right, you I created had to snap a juggalo. Your, yeah, I did, and I had to break your CD in half in order to set things right, <laughs> correct. You know, set the balance. It's like Thanos kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You are Thanos. <laughs> I'm the Thanos of the music industry. <laughs> You're the Thanos, juggle Thanos. Who's going chicken hunting? <laughs> Not me. We's going chicken hunting. Nope. We's. I don't even know. What, what does that mean? Is, our chick, is that women You're going hunting for pussy? That I don't was know what that, that is. There was an episode of, I mean, that was the same episode of Chappelle show where yeah. they talked about chicken hunting. I don't, I don't remember. Like though. chicken heads, I think. I know, what, like chicken head. That's a girl, right? That's like right, a hoe. That's a, the, yeah. Is that what chicken hunt? That's, I don't that's know. What it, that's, that's what that is. Okay, but he didn't say chicken head hunting. So so chickens can also be girls, according to. I think so. Insane Clown Posse. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not real familiar. But well, I had a pager and I had, <laughs> um, I had ICP as my, because you know how you Oof, could record a message. This is, this is a new confession. You know how you could record a message? Yeah. So I had, I had ICP as my outgoing. I'm a pager. I mean, wow. I would change the music all the time. You know, you know how you did. How did you get introduced to ICP? 
I don't know, radio, maybe? They were on the radio? Yeah, some of it really? was. Really? Huh. I always thought they were more of an underground thing that kind of no, blew up. No, they couldn't have been underground. How would I know about them? I don't know. Nothing I did was underground. <laughs> like, have you met me? <laughs> oh, it's not an underground person in any... Well, although I did, I did watch Office Space. That's how we even started talking. Yeah. And nobody else knew what I was talking about when I quoted that. Yeah. Everyone else was like, yeah, you're a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Except you, who right. was like, yeah, I got your reference. I love me some Office Space. And now it's a cult classic and everyone's everyone quotes it and it's like, get the fuck out. Where were you when I was quoting it in the 90s? You dumb bitch. <laughs> Such a hipster attitude. Well, whatever. <laughs> Where the fuck were you in the 90s? Like their first album was better than their first album. <laughs> I had no idea that the guy who says that in Scott Pilgrim was on The Office until we rewatched The Office. Yeah. No clue. No clue. That's Cuomo from... Scott Pilgrim. Well, hey, I'm excited to, to get back to my Ninja Turtle deep dive. This is my final part. Actually, this next week is, of course, the the philosophical ramifications of raising four teenage mutants in a sewer. No, we're not going to do that. That's a joke. Don't nod at me. <laughs> oh, I was pretty that. excited for that. Yeah, I could tell. I like philosophical deep dives. No, we're not doing that. Mostly because I don't have the intelligence to, to do that, <laughs> to pontificate on such a topic. You should uh, see if you can get Tim Ferriss on and he can he'll gladly deep dive with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So last week, you may remember we talked about the 1987 cartoon and its impact. So, I don't. I do not remember last <laughs> week. A listener, maybe listener remembers. Uh, we're going to fast forward to 1989, the year that Hollywood first realized that comic books just might make for successful movies. Tim I, Burton's Batman. I was eight. Uh, in 1989, two Ninja Turtle games of note were released. Was one of them my game? That might have come out, but I'm not touching on that one. There might have been the Game Boy Follow the Foot Clan that remember year. Remember when you remember. bought me that? Yes. And then you left it here instead of bringing it on vacation with us? We left it here. You told me you were bringing it, but instead you stood in the kitchen and played it and then probably <laughs> I had to charge left the it. Game Boy. I had to find the Game Boy Advance charger and then charge it, and then, yeah, I tried yeah, to so try Sean, it out, and then I left Sean it. bought it for me, and he's like, I bought this for you for your birthday. So this is when we were going to L.A. He's like, I bought this for you, I bought because I love... Have you played it at all? I have not played it a single time. So Sean's like, I bought it for you. I'm so excited. I was so excited to get it, because I was going to play it. Why haven't you played it. it, then? Because you left it here, and then... But it's when, here. You can play it anytime you want. So he buys it for me for hmm. my birthday. I'm all excited. He's like, let me charge it up. So he stands in the kitchen and plays it instead of letting me play I was, it. Let me say this. So I have an old Game Boy Advance SP, which is like the last Game Boy model they made before they moved on to the DS. So it's got a really bright screen. It's backwards compatible with all the way back to the original Game Boy games. And I hadn't played this thing in probably 10 years, and it still had a charge. That's what <laughs> got me about it, is the fact that that battery... That before I play, I was just curious. I flicked it on, and it was in you know the the red light indicator was on. It had right. like next to no battery, and but I literally it played it. Yeah, the fact that it had any after at least ten years, maybe more. So blew me away. So he sits there and he plays it in the kitchen. This is the day before we leave for LA, which is where we spent my birthday. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I just want to charge it, and it proceeded to sit on the charger. The entire time we were in L.A., he never took it off the charger. We never packed it. So we're like on a plane and I'm like, hey, can I have that Game Boy? I want to play my game. And he's like, 
Oh. No, that's not how that played out. You yes, didn't ask for it on the plane. I asked for okay in the airport. I asked for it. Okay, in the airport, yes. I asked for it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Because I was like, "Hey, I'm excited. Let's." And play. it's a shame you didn't have an iPad or any other thing to entertain you the whole time. Because you know you would have just played that game the whole time, right? Judging by how many times you picked it up since we've been home, you can't just stare at me in silence. This is a radio. It's a radio. All right, so I haven't played it at all, but I was really excited <laughs> to play it in the airport. You were excited to own it. You it's would play it for like five like, minutes. It's kind of like when you bought me Altered Beast and I played it for like five minutes. You were so excited to play Altered Beast. And I, I made sure to, ha I got you the arcade version because that's the one you were yeah, used that's the to. One I, I was played. like, here, play the arcade version. It, Actually, I had to unlock it, I think. I think I played that through. That game was so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, old arcade games, fucking brutal. So hard. And you got me that for Mother's Day one year. That okay. was that wasn't like your only Mother's Day gift, I'm sure. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> not what I meant by that. God, you altered beast. Good lord. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> and that's the only Mother's Day gift I've ever gotten. And it was that one year when he just bought me a single, single copy of Altered Beast. But speaking of arcade games, we're going to first talk a little bit about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. Surely you played that at the arcade, no? Yes. Mm -mm. No, I was busy playing Altered Beast. I didn't want to play anything else. Well, you could find this thing aside from arcades. And listener, if you're young, an arcade was a place where they had only video games in it's upright like, cabinets. That it was you would stand like and a play. Dave and Buster's only only video games. And it was like dark and it, it was usually in some low rent area and you could smoke in there. <laughs> it wasn't really like Dave and Buster's. It wasn't like a well-lit Dave and Buster's Chuck E. Cheese type experience. Yeah, picture typically. like from Terminator 2. When that was a mall arcade. That doesn't count. Okay. No, I'm no talking right. about standalone arcades here. But yeah, mall arcades were a little different. You couldn't smoke in the mall arcade. I've never been in a standalone arcade. Wow. Those were, you had to go to those. They were seedy. Yeah, <laughs> those I didn't were go some to seedy those. places. I like going to those places. I like not being dead. So I didn't go to <laughs> well, those. It wasn't like, I, I never got in a fight or saw anybody get shot. I just mean it was just, it was very similar to a bar atmosphere. Okay, yeah. I, typically without the alcohol. My self-preservation kicked in at a Plus very you were young eight, age. Right? So. Yeah, it was, like, it kicked in very young. But you could find this at bowling alleys and pizza huts, though. This thing was, it was a four-player arcade game. Pizza huts had arcade games. They that did. Sweet. So pizza huts, pizza places in general. I was busy playing Altered Beast. Would have these these cabinets it was it was a four player beat em up style game you had two buttons like attack and jump uh the graphics were based on the cartoons basically they sent konami konami was a developer publisher konami code they sent them the artwork for the cartoons and the comics up, and this up, was before the, this was before the turtles had actually blown up really they just sent them all that stuff and konami just kind of ran with it from there using that artwork created the the beat em up game Hugely successful. A lot of people remember that game. Uh, and then I have it on on the 360. They re-released re it on the 360. They released it on the NES, too, like a, a year or so later. And with it, it was, I don't know, it was an NES version of an arcade game. What, are you so inviting people good. over? Who cares? Uh, <laughs> but I just, well, I used to play it every year. We used to replay on my birthday. We would, me and the boys would replay the Ninja Turtles arcade game because you can just blow right through it because you have unlimited continues. Oh, that is. Nice. I do. Remember, that was the first arcade game I ever finished because I just kept pumping quarters into it. Me and Steve finished that at some random bowling alley on some church bowling night thing. And they we were in a bowling alley and they had the arcade game and I had enough quarters that we just kept pumping quarters in and we, we finished the arcade game. That doesn't jive with the rest of your life story, but OK. No, it doesn't. But I did. So 
<laughs> it doesn't jive with it. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't jive with the rest of your I life. I was story probably at all. using the money my mother had given me for food or something, or or to bowl that with. That doesn't jive. With Actually, the rest of your that's life probably what it was. Either. It was probably money to bowl with, yeah. <laughs> and instead I just went and played Ninja like, Turtles. Her mother didn't feed you, so that doesn't sound like money. Well, she I wasn't. She wasn't there. Oh, I remember okay. too. Like it, this was like one of those things where I would go with the Roccos because the Roccos were like the fun church family. They would. You know, they believed in God and Jesus, but they also it believed in living their lives in a somewhat entertaining fashion as well. They didn't, you know, just kind of sit around and read the Bible 24-7 like my mom did. And they had TV. They had video games in their house. Yeah, I know. We were they there. They had dairy products. We were there, and they had motion interpolation on. It was terrible. <laughs> I love that my family is so sensitive to motion interpolation. That was great. So, yeah, we're, we're at the Rocco's house. Uh, lifelong family friends for, uh, for me. And Steve's parents and yeah, uh, friend of the show, Steve. Steve's a Steve's friend of the show. We talk about him often. And we were over we were over there last week when uh, Steve's brother Rob, uh, my other friend, when he was in town. We were over there, and I, I put on the Spider Verse movie, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, and you showed up with the boys. Mm-hmm. Logan and, had to work, so I showed up later after he yeah. got off work. And. All three of you <laughs> were like, what's wrong with the TV? Mason was like, this is giving me a headache. And that got was up. Me. Oh, that was you? I thought yeah. Mason said that. Mason, Mason said it was bothering him. It and was like it hurting was his giving, eyes or something. It was giving me a migraine. Okay. So I fixed I fixed the issue. It's all it's all sorted now. No more motion. In it. But I love that you guys are. And I, I didn't even do anything at first. I was like, you know what? Sirocco's TV. This is how they enjoy watching TV. It's fine. It's their house. But when everybody started, I'm like, all right, I will fix this. <laughs> I Literally, will fix this our entire family was like, we can't watch this. We <laughs> it can't. is so bad. I, I don't the understand why arrived. anybody would enjoy it. The three of us arrived and we were like, we can't watch TV like this. Like, like movies, how are you watching TV Movies like are filmed at 23.97 frames per second. Mm-hmm. Basically 24 frames per second. So upping it to an artificial 60 or 120 hertz it is gives, insane. And it creates some kind of ghosting. It does I, because it's artificial. I, it's it, right. it's introducing frames that aren't there, and that that's literally what it does. It interpolates, it adds extra frames using old pixels and new pixels, and it, it's it's and it's weird because I've never noticed it before. But maybe it's just because I'm so sensitive because of my migraines. Yeah. But I was I was seeing ghosting, and it was giving me a headache, and I was like, I can't watch this. See, I let it go because it was on the lowest setting. That's the only reason I was like, eh, I can deal with it. But when you guys no. came in and were like, wow, I was <laughs> and it was funny because I had the nicest chair in the house. I had this great recliner. Yeah, I had an awesome, awesome chair. And I was like and I didn't plan to stay anyway, but I was sitting there and I had this great chair and I'm watching and I love Into the Spider-Verse. I can't not watch it. And then I'm. it has this this terrible ghosting. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm leaving because <laughs> I will give up the best chair in the house because I can't watch this kind of this kind of situation. And it's like they're the best family ever. And I can't sit here and I, watch this. I fixed it. I took care of it. You did. But I still left because I was like, I can't handle <laughs> what just happened. It's very traumatic for me. John, uh, the, the guy that I do the, the Sean Knobs and Boomsticks podcast available now on Anchor and Spotify and a few other platforms. Google Podcasts, not yet on Apple. Uh, he has that giant 120 inch screen in his basement or hundred inch screen, whatever it is. And he has motion interpolation on and it really hurts my head to look at it. Like it drives me nuts. That's, that's good. That's yeah. That's a good way to use your own theater. That's (laughs) John's probably listening right now. He's like, he's just screaming 
fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that tends to be his reaction when I say anything denigrating about him. Well, I just don't understand why you would create a false sense of anything there. Like, right. people who are sensitive to that kind of thing. Like, like me. Or me. Like, my eyes pick up on that because I have... You would go nuts, too, because he his screen is huge, and then it's... You know, the room is... Which means you're the probably ghosting sitting, is even hot you like, might even, for me. You're probably sitting about this distance away, maybe a little closer even. And so when it's that big, it, it really... The first time, I was like, dude, I literally had to look down. I was like, you got to turn that off. Like, it's it's hurting my, my head. It was hurting my eyes. Yeah. It was it's just something... And it was weird because I wasn't being dramatic. It was literally something well, was hurting in my head from it. Because I my, my migraines are, like, ophthalmic. Like, I have... Yeah. All of my migraines are in my eyes. So... I can't, I'm not, I wouldn't be able to watch anything on that screen. Yeah. Like, I, I will slash your screen. Like, I can. <laughs> Sorry, John. That's too bad. Well, you, until you see it through my eyes. All right. The other game also came out in 89 for the then popular Nintendo Entertainment System, also known as the beloved NES. Uh, it was made by Konami as well, published in America by Ultra Games. Uh, very successful, sold 4 million copies. Fuck that game. I don't know if you've ever played it. <laughs> Fuck that fucking game. That game is so brutally fucking hard. It was, man, I I, I didn't have, again, I didn't have an NES, but I remember playing it at uh, these neighbors, Johnny and Josh's house, and we would take turns, all three of us, and, you know, some of us were better at certain levels than others. There was a goddamn swimming level where there was, like, electric, there was, you know, the electric uh, traps or whatever, the lightning traps. It makes sense that there's a swimming level. They're turtles. Yeah, but it, why? Why is there electricity in this water? It, it was all a, bad. Like if a if a wire no, falls. I, in. I understand, but it was just it was way too fucking hard. Like way harder than a Mario game. Dude, was it Nintendo? You said. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo games, man. They are hard. They are in general, but this totally one totally hard. This was brutally fucking hard. Fuck that fucking game. But again, four million copies sold. You ever played Paperboy? <laughs> a little bit. It's not really my... I've never fantasized about throwing papers, so I never got into that game. Like, I always... I like video games as, you know... That's because you were a boy and it was a job you could have. So... Us girls, we were... We were you couldn't be a paper girl? Up. Actually, that's not true. My aunt was a paper girl. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that. Yeah, that's not true. I was just playing up the social justice warrior angle. All right. And now, uh, next I'm going to get into the movies but first i just have to briefly touch on the fact that there was a traveling ninja turtle hair metal concert i'm called, sorry called the coming out of their shells tour oh yeah yeah i didn't know it was hair metal but i guess oh, so. you don't recognize it you get down on us no no that's you, we don't have licensing for that <laughs> i don't think any of those people care if we say i, <laughs> if care. I say that so yeah, this this was uh they they used animatronic suits similar to the ones from the movies from the original movies. Not you know that they weren't as high tech though, and they were also a lot uglier. And they were dressed up as like hair metal type Ninja Turtles. Yeah, the hair metal Ninja Turtles. Right, like you had. Yep. And uh, they they went on tour to get uh and this I got the reason I'm bringing this up is because this was huge. Now now you know we have like ice capades. I don't know if we have ice capades anymore, but they have like the yeah. Disney on Ice stuff. I don't think we have ice capades. No, I don't think so. But you know what I mean though. Like they do Disney, we have on, Disney ice. on Ice. Yeah. They have like a traveling Marvel show where they have uh, martial artists and acrobats dressed up and they come out and fight and all that oh, stuff. Oh, do, do they? I yeah. Don't, I don't. And know. again, but it, you don't know about it because it's not huge, right? Like that's a and thing. And we that don't exists. have little kids anymore. We don't have little kids. We went also, to that stuff when we had little kids. We went right, to right, Disney right. and Ice. Yes. 
But so they do have that kind of stuff. But this this was huge. It it was featured on the Oprah Winfrey show. It was featured on Larry King. It, they had, Why didn't I go? They had them on Regis and Kathy Lee, which is what Kelly and Michael. Yeah. Now. Uh, so the first performance was broadcast as a pay-per-view at Radio City fucking Music Hall. It was sold out for four weeks at Radio City Music Hall. Like, that's insane. Four weeks. They, and they're probably doing five shows a week, I'm guessing. You know, that's insane. That's fuck. That's how fucking huge this was. And, the, and it went all over the world. It was international and it was just a huge success. And then they had an album. And the, here's here's the good news, guys. You can get this album on Spotify or Apple Music. It's called it's under Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells. You should absolutely go listen to it. It's fucking hilarious. I had a tape of it. I got a tape of it. I think it was just a copy. I think I borrowed it and dubbed it from somebody. Uh, yeah. Which is the original bring a CD. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, that was me being a, a bad kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, no, I was I was a terrible child because I had no money. I had no money. And also, I wasn't even supposed to listen to the music, period, unless they talked about God. So the idea of mutant turtles is just an abomination. Your mom would have been like, what? You can count on turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the song, you can count on us. This song should be remembered alongside Stan Bush's The Touch. It's That's of hard. that level. What? The, what does that mean? The song The Touch by Stan Bush. I don't know what that means. That's, you don't, from the Transformers animated movie. You got the touch. You got the power. You don't, you don't know that song? No, that but we don't have the rights hair, to that either. So hair hair metal classic. Nobody report us. Okay, guys. All right. Now, I just had to bring that up because it's, it's crazy that, exi that it existed. You should just Google Ninja Turtles coming out of their shell. See the costumes. And maybe there, there might be video footage. I didn't look that up, but you you, you can, can look up the actual soundtrack. Who went on tour. So what's that? You're gonna talk about who went on tour because I saw that. Oh, I, Michael! How Michael Ian Black yeah, and Ben I, Garant of the State and uh, like Reno 911 and, and that kind of stuff. They were part. They you know they were nobody back then. They were you know actors. Uh, coming they were up. like kids, and because yeah. Sean watched the documentary many times, so I've seen that bit. Yeah, and so they. They were asked if they wanted to go and do uh, promotion for it. So they would go to they would travel like a week ahead of the show and do promo work in these turtle costumes yeah. on the streets that are dressed as turtles. And they told a story about going down to Mexico where they had they didn't have any crowd control or police or anything. And they had to go up on the roof of this building because it was just a sea of Mexican kids swarming this area with no barricades or anything. So they're on this roof tossing T-shirts and pizza down to these children. It was just fucking crazy. Can you imagine them throwing pizza off a roof? Right. <laughs> That's what they said, though. All right, so we're going to move on to the movies. Like, is it in a box? Is it just a, is it just a slice? They probably had, like, a T-shirt gun, and they just... Whoosh, of you know? pizza? Yeah, just imagine that. Just high-velocity high pizza, right? Hot pizza in your face. <laughs> well, it probably wasn't It was Mexico, so, you know, they were like, yeah... It's know. like it's like Arrested Development where they're like, well, we can't sell it here. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we can do it somewhere else. OK. Anyway. So as I mentioned earlier, Tim Burton's Batman had really blown the doors open for comic book properties. So with all the su success they were having, you know, with the TV show and, and uh, well, I guess mostly just cartoon and the figures, uh, they, they thought it'd be a good idea to make a movie. So Steve Barron, who at the time was a music video director, mostly known for Michael Jackson's Billie Jean and AHA's Take On Me. He was the director of those videos. Oh, yeah. He was brought on board. He didn't like the initial script, 
So he went to the original comic books and adapted them for the screen with a writer who at the time was working on a show called The Wonder Years. And they never heard of it. They banged out this script that, again, just adapted the original comics, which is what so many like so many Hollywood people need to learn that, that the comic books are excellent source material for your fucking comic book characters. One would think one would think. But instead, they're like, no, 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 we can do this. We can do this better. We could take this Punisher thing and make it good. It's like, no, it's already good. And now you're shitting on it with your fucking Hollywood nonsense. Uh, they yeah, got like Thomas Jane and uh, Girls in the Mist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they got a Chinese Kung Fu movie studio called uh, Golden Harvest to produce it. They produced a lot of Jackie Chan stuff back in the 90s, like Rumble in the Bronx and Super Cop and all that kind of stuff. They're yeah, all the movies big. I've never heard of. The Jet Li movies, Fist of Legend, Iron Monkey, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, uh, so they got Golden Harvest to produce it because no Hollywood studios wanted to finance it, of course, because they know best. Right. And they were able to get uh, Jim Henson to make the costumes and the creatures. He was apprehensive at first because he didn't like the violence inherent in the comics. But they when they explained it and how they Come were going to do the it, violence inherent in the system, <laughs> when they explained how they were going to do it, he, he was he was relieved and, and agreed to do it. Uh, producer Thomas Gray convinced the head of the studio, Golden Harvest, uh, Raymond Chow, if Chow gave him six million dollars, they could at least recoup their investment. Anyway, at least it, they could at least just get that back, make it make six million dollars on, on this movie. So New Line Cinema ended up distributing it. Um, well, number one, you don't go into business to break even. Right. But Raymond Chow, he, he did. it. He's like, all right, I'll give you six million. Now, according to box office mojo, the budget ended up going up to as much as 13 and a half million. I, that might include promotional stuff. I don't know. It's probably marketing. But yeah. Uh However, it ended up making two hundred and two million dollars worldwide. So even if it was up to thirteen and a half million, that's an insane that's return. Ex- that's an acceptable return. <laughs> that's acceptable. That's acceptable. It's okay. It might just be enough. So then all of a sudden it was weird. All these American Hollywood distributors wanted to do a sequel. Strangely enough, all the ones that all the ones said that no, passed. And All the ones that were like, no, this is a terrible idea. And the producer, Thomas Gray, said no. He's like, the sequel's going to go to what he called The Believers. And I think that's awesome. As it should. Right. He was like, no, we're not. You know, kind of like my theory with our Patreon patrons. And <laughs> when we take off and, right. uh, and they get to come to the show, with, it'll stick with the Yeah. Right. And our Patreon early adopters will be with us. <laughs> and the rest of them, the people who can afford it. Now, the people who are broke, that's different. All right. Ninja Turtles. Sorry. Step off your, your goddamn strong arm tactics for the Patreon. Let's focus on Ninja Turtles. I have Happy a fun really time. sore throat. Have I mentioned? Yeah. It's been like, I should probably go to a doctor. What yeah, do I've been, I have been telling you that for days, days and days. I wish you would. I don't know if this is, is this your point where you realize maybe you should go see a doctor? You shouldn't have a sore throat for that long. Eh. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so the success of the movie. Now, again, this is success can't even be overstated. Like there were lines around the block for this fucking thing. Success can't be overstated. You just stated two hundred million dollars, <laughs> like on a, on a six to like thirteen said, it can't, million dollars. It, can't be it was it was a huge success. And and I remember Steve telling me he had he sat on a garbage can to watch this movie at this theater. Yeah. 
They don't let people in now if there aren't seats. See, I don't know what the deal was, but yeah, he uh, and his dad stood the whole time. What kind of weird ass non-crowd control? Like, this is why the fire marshal had to start doing shit. I don't think in the Akron, Ohio area at the time, they'd ever had a movie that would, you know what I mean? They're like, we don't know capacity. <laughs> right, we, We've never we been to capacity they didn't keep track before. of capacity probably back then. And then the fire marshal had to come in and say, no, you right. only are allowed to have so many people in a theater. It was probably that there were seats, but they were just like single seats. And Steve was a kid. And nobody would right. move over because Akron is full of Well, it's people just people in general. Nobody wants to move over. Well, now we have assigned seats in theaters. Yeah, well, not all theaters, but yeah. Well, the ones that I want to go to. All right, so the success of the movie ended up warranting uh, sequels, of course. The first one came out just a year later, and it shows because it sucks. It's fucking terrible. But the they were they were so concerned that about this lightning in a bottle thing and that they, they, they were comparing it to Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> they were like, this is, you know, this is a huge thing and then it's going to sink immediately. Right. So they were like, let's just let's pump them do out. It, do it, do it. Right. Yeah. And it, again, it was very profitable. And then a third one came out in 1993. And this, despite diminishing returns on each movie, every single Ninja Turtle movie, including the new ones, have been has been profitable for the studios. Like they've never taken a bath on any of these movies. It's weird because yeah. the more recent ones suck. And the, and the first of the more recent ones, the 2014 one, it it was comparable. I mean, it made hundreds of millions of dollars. Like it did really, really well. That is really shocking well. information. Right. Yeah. That is shocking. I don't have the numbers here, but yeah, it was. That's why they got a sequel out in two years because it. it and the second one didn't do nearly as much, but the the first one did. That is shocking. In two thousand seven, they did a, a an all CGI Ninja Turtles movie that we went and saw opening weekend. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. It's actually the, in my opinion, the second best Ninja Turtle movie. Uh, it again, it made a profit, but it, it wasn't considered profitable enough to continue doing that. So into that, and it's actually a sequel to the first three. Like it references things in the first three movies. Who remembers two and three? I do vaguely. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I watched two a few months ago. I talked about it on the pot. Uh, Mason and I watched yeah, it. Yeah, it was really it was, bad. Whoo, so bad. All right. So the next one came out in 2014. This was produced by Michael Bay. Mr. Style over substance. And he wanted to change the origin of the turtles instead of, you know, the, the origin that everybody knows, the, oh, they, the liquid ooze in the sewer. Didn't he want to do like space cadets or something? He wanted them to be aliens yeah. that came to Earth. And then there was huge outcry online. One of the few times the outcry online has had a positive effect or an action, not necessarily a positive effect, oh. but actually been effective at all. Speaking of positive effect, isn't. We didn't get a chance to talk about the fact that... Can we, can we can I finish? I'm yeah. just... I'm, <laughs> I'm so close to being done here. Uh, so, yeah, he he wanted to do an alien origin, and internet, all, all the Ninja Turtle fans were like, fuck you, please don't do that. And he relented, and then he put a joke in the movie about, uh, uh, what do you think we are, aliens or something like that? Some kind of joke like that. Some ref... Yeah. Hey, go fuck yourself. Right. And both those movies are pretty bad. Um, Shut up your pee hole, Michael Bay. Mostly, um, uh, the CGI with it was too much with the CGI, I, and I talked about this on the on the podcast I do with John. But uh, I hate when when they do CGI stuff and the camera starts. The camera is clearly uh, an in program camera. It's not a real camera, so it starts going around at impossible angles, and it just it immediately just makes me think I'm I'm in a video game. And yeah, 
and I, I don't like that because they did full CG turtles. And then the other, my my biggest problem with the fucking movie is that it was all about action set pieces, a la Michael Bay, Fast and the Furious type stuff. Not enough martial fucking arts in your ninja movie. It's a ninja movie. Focus on the ninja fighting, ninja fights. That's what we want, you know. And then the second one, they did the, they had uh, Bebop and Rocksteady and Krang, which was cool to see them. But the Krang. overall story, they fo- he focus. This is his problem he had with Transformers as well. And I don't know what his fucking problem is, but he focuses on humans. So he gets the property rights to like Transformers and Ninja Turtles. And then he's more interested in telling stories about Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox than he is about the fucking characters that the property is based on. Because he likes Megan Fox. He does like Megan. Who doesn't like Megan? She's fucking hot. Like, I mean, I get that. But that's why. That's Shia LaBeouf. And then Will Arnett. It's Will Arnett and Megan Fox in the Ninja Turtles movies. And Will Arnett's character, oh my God, I don't know if you remember him. He's a character from the cartoon yeah. who was April's co-worker and he talked like this yeah, in the I cartoon. Do. I yeah. Remember. That's who he he Michael Bay was like, let's bring that character to the forefront of the movies. Let's bring this dude who's been in like four episodes of the cartoon that no one cares about. And then let's have him played by Will Arnett, who has like world's sexiest voice. <laughs> you like the Batman voice? Just like oh Batman get you hot. <laughs> Will Arnett is known for his his voice that just cracks me because I, I just think he sounds funny it's i, I don't it's not because i'm a dude so i don't think anybody sounds like, like patty and selma is hot will arnett and like that's why it's funny that like when he's on 30 rock and and jack donaghy and devin banks and they're like we're gonna have a talking like this contest <laughs> yeah it's like that's, that's they both hot. have that's, the, the low voices yeah it's very hot so yeah so they focus on on their characters april o'neill and whatever the fuck i can't remember the name of his character uh, and nobody it, cares about his character. It, it's just stupid, though. We don't need that human touch point for these properties. You know, we're familiar enough. We don't need Shia LaBeouf and his parent drama. And we yeah. don't need April O'Neil and Will Arnett. And, and they're, uh, you know, he likes her. She doesn't like him. No one fucking cares. Focus on the property at hand, you fucking moron. I fucking hate Michael Bay. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you can tell. Bring it back to 30 Rock. We'll be like... L.A. rules, Michael Bay, freeways, Legoland. <laughs> like, that's, that's... Michael Bay. That's, uh, yeah. Bring it uh, all back to 30 Rock. And so, uh, just to wrap up, kind of get back to the creators, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Uh, Kevin Eastman sold his half of the property to Peter Laird on June 1st of 2000. The transaction was completed on March 1st of 2008. You believe that? Eight, like, eight years? Eight years to to complete a transaction like that. Apparently, well, was I it, don't know why. I was gonna say I I feel like it took longer than most divorces, so therefore <laughs> it had something to do with money. I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, Peter Laird then sold the property to Nickelodeon mm-hmm. on October 19th of 2009, but he still retains the rights to create and publish up to 18 black and white comics a year based on the property. And Kevin Eastman now works with current Ninja Turtle comics pub- publisher IDW as an artist and writer for the series sometimes. So he, he still works on the comics that's the current comics that are running. That's weird. Um, well, they probably went to him more than anything. You know, I don't know if he went to them or not, but he Kevin Eastman is on Twitter and, and all the social and he still he'll sell. If you join the Kevin Eastman fan club. He'll sell you figures with his autograph on them and comics and stuff like that. Well, hey, man, you got to hustle. Yeah. Make I mean, that why not? money. Why not? Make and that make that money. Actually, hustle is a terrible word, but yeah. So, and Nickelodeon, they produced the, 
the CG cartoon, which is the best Ninja Turtles cartoon, in my opinion. But it's, uh, you know, the 80s one is great for nostalgia. It's never been like a great you show. You would think that. Yeah. And then the, the CG one is so well done. And now they have a new one. They ended that series, I think, in 2017. And they have a new one that's done in like that that flash art style. And I'm trying to like it. They got some good voice actors behind it, like Jean. What, what's his name? Jean Paul. Jean Paul Ralphio. Or oh, Jean Ralphio. Jean Ralphio from yeah, Ben uh, Schwartz. Schwartz, ben Schwartz. Schwartz. And uh, so he he's he does the voice of Leonardo. They have some other uh, good stuff, but it's a very. Uh, it's a, like a zany cartoon. It's not really a. It's it's almost a throwback to the '87 series, in a way, because it's it's so like over the top goofy instead of like they did another cartoon in the 2000s that w- it was hand drawn animation that was a lot more serious, a lot more comic book based. Then they did the CG one, which I think is the best one. Is that the one with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yeah. that same song that I get stuck in my head all the time. Yeah, that's the CG one. Yeah, yeah. I get that stuck in my head. And. uh so, yeah, there's a current run right now, and there's going to be a Netflix movie based on this current animated series. And supposedly they're working on rebooting the movies. Unfortunately, it's the same guy handling production, so it might be crap again. I would like to see them go back to the suits with some type of CG enhancement, like have actors in suits. And that kind of like with Iron Man, the way Iron Man is, you know, a lot of the time it, his whole suit is CG. And I understand that works a lot better when it's metal as opposed to skin. But if they had actors in partial suits and they could, you know, work some stuff in later, I, I would like to see that. I don't know, though, because when um, the what's it called? The scroll? What was it called? The scrolls in Captain Marvel. Nope. That's not the one I was talking about. Um, the Chitari. The Chitari in the Avengers. Yeah. They were just in mocap suits. Right. And they were fine. Yeah. But that also, though, we weren't really focused on them. They were only there. Well, yeah, but it was also like 10 years ago. It was 10 years ago. But what I mean is they they were in fast moving action scenes. They weren't in dialogue scenes where you could really look at them like Iron Man is. So, right. But my point is, it's been 10 years. Surely they can. Well, see, that's what I mean, though. That, but they, if they had like actual suits for some of that and then for the fighting they could see you so the actors didn't have to wear the bulky suits so they could move faster and stuff yeah that's actually one of the things they did in the original ninja turtle movie the 1990 movie is the uh, i was talking about how they film at 24 frames a second they would film at 22 and 23 frame frames a second to s- speed it up a little bit because those suits were like 60 pounds each yeah and they were you know drenched in sweat and everything and just to kind of make the action look a little bit faster they 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 would speed up the, or they would, yeah, they would speed up the, the frame rate a little bit or slow down. I don't know how that works. You know what I mean? Instead of rolling at 24, they would do it 22 or 23. My throat hurts. <laughs> All right, let's let's do your thing now. Well, I wanted to, wait, before my thing. Oh, we never talked talk about, about James Gunn. Oh, we didn't. We never talked about James Gunn. James Gunn is back on Guardians of the Galaxy That's 3. That's what I wanted to talk about is how internet outrage, everyone was freaked out about that. And then he got kicked off and now everyone... See, I, don't, I think that was, again, manufactured, though, because that was this weird alt-right outrage, you know, where they the same people that believed in Pizzagate that thought that they were really that Hillary Clinton was really I think it's the same guy that started it, that she actually had some sort of uh, child no, sex ring running out of the basement no. of a pizza parlor in no, New York. That's not a thing. And this pizza parlor didn't even have a basement. No, turns out not a thing. Not a thing. But yeah, same um, guy. Anyway. So, yeah, he's back on. He's back. We talked about that. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. I thought you were going to talk about Shazam. 
I thought you were going to address. Oh, we were going to go see Shazam yesterday. They did a yeah. There was like a a one a, day sneak preview. It comes out in two weeks, and I had bought tickets. Well, and then I traded sex for not going. Like you do, just yeah, and like I, a guy, I'm always like okay. And I I definitely made out on that deal because I didn't have to go. <laughs> you see always Shazam. make out on the sex deals, a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> that was not what I was going to talk about, but <laughs> that's fine. It was a great deal. I highly recommend. And I, truthfully, the only reason I wanted to go see it was so we could put something up on YouTube, have not, a review up, I'm not get certain, some attention. I didn't want to record something on YouTube. I'm pretty sure the entire left side of my neck is so swollen because I, I was trying out this new teleprompter app that I have. Yeah. And when I filmed myself, the left side of my neck is swollen. Well, you should see a doctor. And right. Do, do your thing. Let's just let's blaze through your thing. I don't know what my, that was not a good segue. I, I never, I do terrible, halting, abrupt segues. That's you my go thing. now. Yeah. <laughs> so, before I get started, I do want to say that the source material for this is going to be linked in the show notes. Because I used one article, and then I went ahead and paraphrased it, and pulled quotes, and I'll tell you when I have, I'm using a quote. But, it's just one article that I found really interesting. And I'm just basically recapping this article in different in different um, ways. So the article itself will be linked in the show notes if you're interested in reading it in its entirety, because I'm not telling you the whole article. It's written by Jessica Burstein, and it was published in about 10 months ago in 2018. She was the official photographer for Law and Order. Oh. So we start back many years ago, and when Jessica was having dinner at Elaine's, which is a restaurant in New York City, and it was known not just for its famous and infinite infamous clientele, but for the behavior of Elaine Kaufman herself, who was the owner. Yeah. And she framed anyone and everyone she could. So she was one of those that all the famous people would eat there, but then she would yell at people and be super nasty to them. Yeah. And Elaine's closed in 20... 11 after Kaufman died, but everybody loved to go there. It was full of famous people. Hmm. So despite the fact that Elaine in general disliked women <laughs> because the place was a boys club, club, Jessica managed to become one of the handful of women who Elaine tolerated. She, Elaine, was a fan of Jessica's work and she asked that Jessica document Elaine. So the, the photographs that Jessica took were hung on the walls of the restaurant. And Elaine knew that Jessica was terrible at the business side of being a photographer. So Elaine wanted to act as like a photo agent. Yeah. So like like a typical meddling old woman, she would kind of push Jessica's business onto random people who would come in. A typical what woman? Meddling old woman. Oh, meddling. Okay. So one night... Dick Wolf walks in. <laughs> you can't say Dick Wolf on TV. And Jessica's having dinner with a famous writer. And Dick walks over to the table and introduces himself to the writer. And the writer is like, cool, like, go away, you know? Yeah. Eventually he gets tired. The writer gets tired and he leaves. And as the writer leaves, Dick walks over, jumps off of his bar stool, and he sits down at the table with... Jessica. Just ignore Crowley. 
So they spend the next couple hours in conversation and eventually he realizes like what a talent Jessica has. Yeah. And with her photography. The next day he calls her and he asks her to have dinner to discuss this idea he has for her work. He wanted to do a book of law and order crime scenes that would emulate the work of the late great photographer Ouija. And because of the crafting of the show's crime scene being so precise, he believed that if it was properly photographed, these fake crime scenes would blur an interesting line between like illusion and reality. Yeah. So if you've seen the show, you know that they are they emulate like real crimes that are going on. Elaborately staged. Right. So they met back at Elaine's and they talked and she went on her first shoot and she was like, I don't think I can do this because it was it was like they were they shot in Manhattan. And she was like, this is a nightmare. (laughs) she's like, you know, it's outside. There's terrible, harsh shadows like this is just awful. Yeah. So she tells Dick Wolf, I don't think so. Like, this is just this is just fucking terrible. And he's like, you don't understand. I only hire people who are as obsessive as I am. And the fact that you think this is too hard tells me that you're obsessive. Yeah. Like, keep at it. So Jessica didn't become the Law and Order official photographer until the beginning of season four in 1994. And at that time, there were no official photographers TV show for TV shows in New York City. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Not, not that I would know, but I've never, I didn't know that was a thing. Right. So Dick, however, he had started his career in advertising. So he knew the value of publicity through photographs. Yeah. And especially through like magazines and news. He's related to Fred Wolf of, of the Ninja Turtles cartoon. I don't know, but you can you can look him up. So. He's been married like 37 times. So (laughs) the issue with photographers was the notoriously bad treatment of still photographers in film and television industry. I feel like the industry abuses a lot of people. (laughs) Well, they do. But on any TV or film set, still photographers are not part of the filmmaking process. And hence, they're not absolutely necessary. Although the photographer on set has a job to do, mainly publicity shots, production companies are focused on production, right? So actors. And as often happens, if an actor is having a problem with lines, he or she blames somebody, somebody other than themselves. And it's normally the person who doesn't need to be there. So that's normally the still photographer. Right. Like they normally say shit like, you're in my eye line and you're distracting me. And it results in the still photographer getting kicked off the set. Hmm. So this is from the original article. On Law and Order, the one cast member who immediately upon arrival tried to create problems for me was Angie Harmon. (laughs) What Angie didn't understand was by the time she arrived, I was already an old member of the Law and Order family and and what a family it was. Those who worked on the Law and Order shows, we saw each other more than we saw our own families. And while, as in any family, there was some dysfunction, when push came to shove, we had each other's back. And so Angie miscalculated. She's the, oh no, I'm thinking of Mariska Hargitay. Who's Andy Harmon? She's the one who has the wonky eye. Angie Harmon. Huh. So... When she became enraged when I was shooting her during a scene, insisting that I stop... 
Sam Waterston and Stephen Hill were in that oh, scene. Oh, this is like classic Law and Order. Yeah, this I is Law and Order. SVU. Oh, I talk about SVU in a little bit, but no. Sam Waterston and Stephen Hill were in the same scene and promptly explained to her that they wanted their pictures taken and that she better get in line and, and do the work. The real problem with Angie is that she couldn't remember her lines ever. Look carefully at the scenes with her and you'll notice all the cutaways while she's speaking. Ah. It took so long to get the shooting done with her that working hours became extreme. And in turn, the crew's the crew's morale was on the floor. Dick decided to get her acting help. One night I stopped by and and happened to ask the sound mixer how things were going better. He said they stopped giving Angie big words. Oof. <laughs> yeah. So just prior to shooting the first spinoff, which was SVU. Yeah. Jessica met Mariska Hargitay, which is who you're thinking of. Right. By all accounts. They look similar. After looking eh. them up. So by all accounts, the entire cast of SVU was fun. Like, there are no complaints about that's good. That That's cast. good to have a, a good working environment. Right. Especially when, you, you know, they, those motherfuckers worked a lot. And the SVU show was on was all heavy, time. And SVU's heavy. Yeah, right. The, the subject matter. So in particular, Chris Maloney who is he's known as a prankster oh he's a funny guy he was in like what hot american summer he's got yeah. the show happy happy based on a comic book by grant morrison so chris and jessica jessica's still jessica's the photographer remember they carried out a, a photo shoot idea that chris had envisioned and it's a riff on a real magazine article called up all night with mariska the photos were shot by john ragel originally so Chris looked like an absolute lunatic and he he wanted to do a twist on every single photograph in the article. So Mariska was like it was supposed to be sexy, like she like was drinking and she had like a man just, you know, fawning over her. Yeah. And it was just every single one was like her looking like she was just a sex kitten. Yeah. So Chris was was an exact replica of every shot. So they had Dean Winters playing the date. Nice. Dean Winters, anyone who doesn't know, is um, on 30 Rock. He played Dennis Duffy. Dennis Duffy, but he was also one of the detectives on SVU. So that was the date. And then all of the fellow revelers, so like all the people in the background at all the parties were just played by Teamsters on the lot. Nice. At the party. So it, and they were printed out in the same format of the ma of the magazine article and given to Mariska as a gift. That's awesome. So that was like the environment working on SVU. But the title shots of SVU were an absolute nightmare by Jessica's account. The show's the show's line producer refused to give her a budget to pay for actors. Hmm. So I don't know if you remember the SVU yeah, it looked like it came out of like 1977. Yeah, it's really upsetting. Yeah, it's really it's, bad. It's and the really, music too. It looks like I would equate it with, uh, what was that show? Like Hill Street Blues or something. It's And it's and it's upsetting. Like to me, whenever I would see the opening part, it always looked like like it true crime. It as fuck, And right? it looked like true crime. Like I didn't realize those were, <laughs> like I thought they were like, like Creative Commons licensed pictures. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stock photos. Right. So she um, actually talked to her friend and actress, Diane Agostini, who agreed as a favor to be in the shots. She's in four of the title show photos dressed <laughs> and posed differently in each shot, shot. And apart from Dick Wolf, who <laughs> happens to know Diane, 
No one else has called her called them out on it. Now this is an this is an article from ten months ago. Yeah, well nobody noticed. Yeah, nobody noticed. So the biggest challenge that appeared along with Law and Order has actually had nothing to do with the actors and everything to do with photography. So back when she was working on this, film was out and it went digital. Oh. So she started shooting this all when film cameras were still a thing. Studios and networks insisted that photographers switch to digital and there was a huge resistance, mainly because the digital cost, photography digital photography still sucked. Oh, okay. This was 2003. Oh, okay. So Jessica received a warning from NBC that if she wasn't digital by autumn of 2003, that she was not going to be hired for any more work. Damn. Yeah. The transition to digital, she said, was painful because camera technology sucked. Yeah. But she did transition and she did put out that book. Remember, that's why she was hired in 94. Right. Was to put out a book with Dick Wolf. So it took her 10 years. Actually, she put out the book in 2006. So you can read the entire article yeah. in the show notes. I'll put it up. And it does have other behind the scene goodies like working with Jerry Arbach and um, the time that Julia Roberts insisted she'd be fired. Jessica be fired. She's Julia the, Roberts? Julia Roberts. She guest starred on Law and Order. And oh, she shit. is the only guest star that made a big stink about being photographed. Oh, and shit. then there's like all kinds of behind the scenes drama when she name drops exactly who and what. Yeah. I didn't want to go into all that. That's fun. The stuff. Angie Harmon one was the one that got me how they had right. to stop giving her big words because she can't act. <laughs> that's good to know. I was that's like, good. that's hilarious. That's Hollywood. Oh, you're pretty. Good enough. Her Can eyes, you speak? She's her eyes don't even line up. They're not that wonky. Yeah, they no, they're really not. She's, she's They've pretty. always bothered me. But oh, I want to I want to give credit uh, while, while we're doing that. I just want to give credit where I got. The majority of my information was from, and I, I think I mentioned this in the first. You did. First you mentioned segment. it plenty of times, but we can link it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Ultimate Visual History is a book by Andrew uh, Farago. Farago, I don't know how to say his last name. Got a lot of info from there. Uh, that movie came out in 2014 called. Uh, it's a documentary called Turtle Power. That's uh, the one I've seen like a million times. And a little bit of stuff from like Wikipedia here and there. But the, those first two things are, are the main source. Both really highly recommend watching the Turtle Power thing if you're looking for interviews and, you know, like a more visual look at the, at the turtles through history. And plus, they cover a lot more stuff I didn't cover. And then the book as well. Same thing. There's a lot of uh, it's called the ultimate visual history. And it has tons of uh, photos and drawings and, and really cool stuff, promo stuff that. Uh, you probably never saw before and you can get that on amazon but uh if you're if you're a turtle fanboy like myself uh, that that's always fun to yeah i was gonna go into the whole making of law and order but when i read this article it was just so interesting i was like let's just hear about the photography like yeah i i'd never thing. even heard of a of yeah. like a i mean it makes sense that there is one especially for that show because right. of how many photographs there was there were yeah but yeah like that's interesting, right? Yeah, I want to do that. Not I'm not that show. I'm not nearly a skilled enough photographer. I could become one. I didn't say I'd be good at it. I said I wanted to do it. Well, I've got a camera really over there cool. if you want to start going to take practice taking pictures. <laughs> I'm just going to start showing up on movie shoots and be like, I'm the uh, 
I'm the photographer here for episode nine of Star Wars. I'm also here to rewrite the script because it's terrible. <laughs> I do both. I do both things. Yeah. I do the home photographer and I'm rewriting this garbage script. By also, J. J. while we're here, we're reshooting episode eight. <laughs> yeah. Episode seven. We're starting there. Yeah. We're starting with episode seven and we'll, we'll go forward from there. We're going to have a, a, a villain that's actually. Ooh, there's a new Star Wars this year. So. Probably the last three months of podcasts of the year are probably going to be very Star Wars focused for me as I get ready to rage and that's, hate on. That's good because you love Star Wars at Christmas time. I do. Star Wars at the holidays. Wars. Yeah, they go together, man. It's peanut butter and jelly. I don't know why. I, don't, I do. Well, I think I covered why. It's just there's it's like Disney. They've been smart with their marketing and their tie ins and everything. And it's worked on me subliminally. And I just think those two things go together, even though all the original movies came out in summer, including the prequels. The prequels came out in, in summer as well. Yeah, I remember when the first prequel came out. I was working. Well, was we saw summer. the other two together. Episode two and three. That's what you said. Mm hmm. It's true. There are big chunks of my life that I don't really remember all that well. You don't remember seeing the prequels with me? I remember what theater we were in and everything. <laughs> Dude, I, when the kids were little... There are huge sections that I had to, like, block off just to get through. Yeah. It's like the kids, like, wiped poop on my face. <laughs> and then I would vomit on them because it grossed me out so bad. Like, that shit's traumatic. You know what? One of the worst memories I have when the kids were little is when Logan was choking on, like, a piece of bread. I remember that. I will never forget that. That was the scariest, one of the scariest things that ever happened to me. And I remember I just shoved my finger in his his down his throat and pulled it out and there's some scared and that's kind of parenting in a nutshell they just send a kid home with you from the hospital with no supervision it's like that that episode of the office we we've recently been re-watching the office in case you can't tell yeah but where jim and pam are like or we could just stay here for a little bit longer right and they're they, well, do they you remember like, though that's the distinct they memory just send we brought children home with you we brought logan home to our apartment and and I remember, you know, getting it, uh, getting his car seat out and bringing it in. I remember saying something to you along the lines of, you believe this shit? This Here we are with this baby. No one gives a shit. No one cares. Yeah. Just It's just us and this kid. Like, you got to get a license to do all this other shit. They don't you care. You want to have a kid? They're like, get the fuck out. Do your own thing, whatever. Punt it down the stairs. We don't care. Yeah, they just send you out. Yeah. They just, they're like, this is yours now. You're in charge of this. Yeah. It's Take like, you're not going to follow up on this or anything. <laughs> right. Like, you're not going to make sure I'm doing it right. But you find a lot of babies in dumpsters and toilets and things. <laughs> like, right. when you, how do you, you just not care? Should you check on this? Make sure I'm doing it right? Like, no, we only care as long as you don't abort it. We don't give a shit what you do to it after that. Just don't abort it. It's after been that. 17 years and no one has checked up on us to make no sure we're cares. doing it right. No one gives a shit. Logan turned 17 this week and no one has checked to make sure we're doing it right. <laughs> right. We get a follow. I, I get follow up phone calls from like fucking Best Buy. <laughs> I get follow up phone calls on, from my eye doctor. Yeah. They're my eyes. I've had them for like 36 years. Like people no check on them. When you have a, a kid, though, they just send you on your way. Do your thing, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's that, that literally blows my mind. I'm not even trying to be funny. It's it's it. It's crazy to me how they don't care. It's harder to get like a driver's license than it is to have a child. Oh, yeah, for sure. OK, yep. that's fine. Harder, Whatever. Yep. Harder to get a passport or a driver's license or man, I haven't had to do this, but I've heard that like it's a nightmare if you lose if you need a new social security card. 
like if you lost your original, it's like really hard to get a replacement social security Jesus card. Christ, I want to think about it. <laughs> but if you want to pop some kids out, it's cool. It's easy. No, no worries. You can just keep making them. You yep. just keep making kids. No matter what you're doing to them. I mean, assuming you can keep making kids. Yep. Some people can't. Yeah. And then they get all upset about it if you talk about it. <laughs> well, this is this is the era of getting offended. So that's what people do. They love to be offended about shit. The person I'm talking about doesn't listen to the podcast. I I just I get offended about it's Star Wars. Star Wars is my trigger, man. They just they shit all over Star you know Wars. No, my trigger is my what? left tonsil. Yeah. All right. We should probably wrap it up. <laughs> you want to talk about? Well, the thing is. Heat stuff makes it feel really good, and yeah. my coffee and my soup have worn off, so now I'm just in pain. Well, I could make you some more coffee. That's good. All right. <laughs> so well, that. thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I tried not to bum everybody out. Sorry, I opened with child rape. <laughs> like, <laughs> I heard I I heard through the grapevine that I triggered some people last week, so I apologize <laughs> about that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for my triggering with the rape things. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.